Good morning, fam. Welcome to the Young Eater Podcast Show, where we will be talking about health, fitness, and best practices in this episode. I'm your host, Justin Yanagita, and today is a little bit different episode where you guys, the listeners, are asking me questions. Okay, I'm excited, guys. So first one, we're doing a kind of like a Q&A with yours truly. <laughs> so if you're listening, uh, stay tuned. Here we go. So if you haven't uh, already gotten a copy of my book, Fighting Sickness with Fitness, the first question has to do with this book. And before I go on to the first question, fighting sickness with fitness is really about using holistic exercise and nutrition habits. And check this out from the book, quote, fighting sickness with fitness is a message utilizing fundamental exercise, nutrition, and recovery habits to combat and overcome health issues rather than relying on medication. Now, end quote. Now, with that being said, of course, there are certain conditions where it requires medicine and pills and other things, understandable. But the CDC, CDC now, the Central Disease Control Center came out and said that about 80%, roughly 80% of the health conditions could have been prevented or prolonged if they had followed a healthy lifestyle. So that's a lot of people, 80%. Now, going into the first question, this is from one of our members, Jenna. What was the inspiration behind the second book and how does it differ from the first one? Are there plans to write another book? Ooh, this is a good question, by the way. So. One of the main reasons why I wrote the second book was because of all the questions and conversations that we've been having with our members about their fitness journey and their fitness transformation, which, you know, I was taught this and I was heeded this wisdom from one of my mentors, Chris Williams, who was in a previous episode, that the transformation occurs not only physically, but also mentally and emotionally as well. And there was an aha moment a couple of years ago when I realized that I was doing a disservice to the people reading the book by only talking about the physical transformation in the first book, right? I only talked about the habits to be healthy and nutrition and exercise, which is not a bad thing. But I wanted to go a little deeper. I wanted to go a little deeper than that so I can best serve you. So for the second book, the fundamentals of fitness and nutrition are similar because just as every person is unique, every person is also very different, right? In a sense of we're all the same, but we're all different. We're all human beings, same anatomy, the physiology is very similar. We all have the same amount of limbs, lungs, organs, all that good stuff biochemically, very similar, but very different in personality, life experiences, characters, all that good stuff. Very similar to how exercise, hydration, and vegetables are healthy for the majority of us. And at the same time, things such as trans fats, fast foods, and processed foods are typically unhealthy for the majority of us, right? 
And of course, there's going to be outliers and, you know, certain studies, you know, all that. That's cool. But the main difference of books is that once you go deeper below just the physical fitness and discuss the habits and experiences of those that are mentally and emotionally healthy are doing. So going to the book, so if you don't already have this book, I will be giving it away. If you simply email us at yanagitapodcast at gmail.com, we will send you a free ebook, downloadable version, so you guys can check it out. Okay, here we go. I'm going to quote the book. Habits and qualities of those physically fit. And this is after studying many people who have qualities and are physically fit with blood markers and all that good stuff. So they typically do some sort of exercise daily, whether it's walking, running, resistance training, yoga, tai chi, etc. Next, eats wholesome, natural food most of the time while enjoying an occasional treat. Drinks a gallon of water a day. Sleeps six to nine hours a day. Incorporates recovery methods, mobility, flexibility, stretching, soft tissue, etc. Now, these are the things that I didn't have in the first book. Habits and qualities of those mentally fit. They self-educate 30 minutes a day. Reading books, audiobooks, podcasts, etc. They believe we have unlimited, vast amounts of potential. Strives to add value and consistently serve others. It's surrounded by smarter, faster, and wiser individuals. And this is something I didn't have in the book. But if you think about it, to be surrounded by smarter, faster, and wiser individuals, that person who's mentally tough and fit, well, maybe not tough, but mentally fit, typically has a humble attitude, right? They're, They're typically very humble. They don't have a big ego. And that's one of the reasons why they can surround themselves with smarter, faster, and wiser individuals. Going back to the book, commits to completing their responsibilities. Now that's a mindset, right? Mentally, they commit to completing what they say they're going to do. They remain coachable with an open mind, willing to try creative and challenging things. Think about it. That's humility. They attend conferences, seminars, and additional training. They embrace challenges as opportunities. They assume and always take responsibilities for shortcomings and mistakes. They understand that the best investment is in themselves. Now, if you think about it, the taking responsibility, that is something that is very tough to do, but it is so freeing. So going back to experience, It is so easy to start blaming people either we work with, people that we, you know, customers, members, um, no matter what profession, our boss, our manager, the landlord, the banks, the corporation, our mayors, the government, our president. It's so easy to start pointing fingers and start blaming others. What's not easy is taking full responsibility for our situation. And of course, I'm not saying this is easy, but something that I've realized from people who are mentally fit and healthy, they take full responsibility 
for their life, for the situation, for their circumstances, right? Because as easy as it is to blame, let's just say, you know, through this post-COVID situation, it's very easy to blame our landlord or whoever, the banks, the governments, for our current quality of life. Very easy. Oh, you know, they shouldn't have, you know, locked us in or they shouldn't have done this, this, and this. You know, because of them, we're struggling. No. The responsible answer is, I should have planned better. I should have had a worst-case scenario fund. I should have better prepared an emergency fund so that no matter what has happened, we'd be okay, right? If we're, let's say we're training outdoors, instead of blaming the weather and blaming, I don't know, if you believe in God or the universe, <laughs> you don't want to blame the weather and infinite intelligence in the universe and God for it raining on your parade, literally raining on your workout, when instead the responsible answer would be, how could I have better prepared in case it rained? Come up with plan B, come up with contingency plans for the what if worst case scenario. Now, that is very important. And we can go more into this in another topic. I want, I mean, I could talk about this all day, taking responsibility, right? Seeing challenges as opportunity is also a big quality in those that are mentally healthy. They don't see obstacles and challenges as things that, oh, you know, I, I have to eat this thing or I have to do this exercise. It's I get to, I get to work out. I get to treat my body well. I get to eat good foods that are going to give me energy, right? And the whole like learning and continually growing, being coachable, open mind, that's humility. Humility. Nobody likes an arrogant person, arrogant leader, arrogant coach, arrogant parent, arrogant anybody. Nobody likes somebody who's all egotistical and about themselves and think they know it all. Nobody likes that person. So don't be that person. <laughs> um, going into the next thing, habits and qualities of those emotionally healthy and fit who've overcome the darkest of times, suicide, sexual assault, molestation, physical abuse, any type of darkness. One thing to keep in mind is that no matter what we have gone through, almost definitely there was something, somebody has gone through darker times and that they are positive and overcame that and have a unique perspective. For instance, people who overcame the Holocaust, people who have seen the dark side of war, World War II, they have seen the destruction and the damage. And yet, they're super grateful, they're super loving, they're happy, they're fulfilled. Does that mean they have problems? Of course. But their mindset and their emotional health and how they respond emotionally, that's another level. And so these are the people that we just kind of studied for this book. Going to the book, qualities and habits of those emotionally fit. Practices gratitude daily, admits shortcomings and mistakes, practices humility, 
believes that things happen through us for the benefit of others, forgives and wishes others well, employs empathy, encouragement, and empowerment to others, listens to understand and not simply to respond, sets time aside for family and loved ones, end quote. Check it out, guys. So practicing gratitude, I used to think that was hokey in the past from people from my grandparents to mentors because it seems so easy to say, just practice being grateful, be grateful, you need more gratitude in your life. And I'd always be confused why or how. And, you know, you, you can't be that happy or you can't be that grateful. And I was wrong. Practicing gratitude daily. You know, what are something that we're grateful for? Because there's always something in our life now that we wished we could do or we thought might have been impossible months or a couple years ago. Thinking about it from my personal uh, perspective, oh, I thought it was really, really challenging to even buy your own car because of my upbringing. Didn't own my own vehicle until I was uh, 20, 24 years old. And uh, you know, I was very proud and learned how to negotiate, learn how to purchase and very thankful for many, just one of those many experiences, but also growing up in an environment where we didn't have much, right? We didn't have much resources. Um, so we have to rely on others, be humble, be grateful, and connect with others, forgiving, forgiving others. That's a really big one, right? Because it's so easy to hold on to emotional pain and anger at other people while not forgiving them. And the only person it hurts is ourself for holding. It's almost like holding a clenched fist in martial arts. They say it's like holding a clenched fist for an invisible enemy. <laughs> and we don't want to do that. Holding an invisible, you know, for an invisible enemy who might not even be there, who might not even have any idea of what is going on in life, in your life. Being empathetic encouragement and empowering others that's super important and going into the quality of listening to understand and not simply to just respond to something it's so easy to just hear something and say something right away versus actually listening and understanding and not getting emotional and responding with logic perspective and clarity. So those are some of the things that are the main differences between the first book and the second book. I mean, there's a bunch of other things, but that is just one instance of the main difference. And here's one, one of the gratitude pages in the book I want to go over too before we move on is that starting your morning with, I am so happy and grateful. Dang. I mean, that is a powerful statement. What are you grateful for, right? I am so happy and grateful going to the book. And I do write this in my journal. I am so happy and grateful. I have all my physical limbs and senses. I am so happy and grateful. I get to wake up and do what I love. I am so happy and grateful that the sun is out and the birds are singing. I am so happy and grateful for the warm cup of coffee I get to enjoy. I am so happy and grateful my parents and my loved ones are happy and healthy. 
I am so happy and grateful. I have an unbelievable team that sincerely cares and wants the best for our members. I am so happy and grateful for our members that allow us to be part of their journey and they trust us. It's a huge one. I am so happy and grateful for the life-changing transformations and impact we continue to create in our community. I am so happy and grateful to live a life of service and be able to provide value to others. I'm so happy and grateful for writing right now for the positive impact this may make in your life. And going back to this, right, the whole physical limbs and senses, the smaller we can make the gratitude list, or actually I should take a step back, meaning if we can enjoy and be grateful for the smaller things in life that we may take for granted, like having our physical limbs, right? Sometimes, it, I mean, it, we can take it for granted that we have fingers, we can grip things, that we have our sense of smell, we can see, right? That is so underrated that the sun comes out. The little things, enjoy it. To live a life of service and be able to provide value to others. That is super deep and profound because there was a time when I felt I had no value to the world and I felt like I had no meaning. I felt like I had no connection. I felt like I had no place. And so when I lived like that, teenagers, until I was uh, 19, 20 years old, until I valued myself, it was impossible to value others. Until I allow myself to learn and be serviced, I wouldn't be able to value and learn and be of service to others. And, you know, without going really deep, right, because I want to go to other things too, it's so easy to forget where we come from. And it's so easy to take for granted because the things that we might be doing now really might have seemed far-fetched six months ago, 12 months ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, right? If you asked yourself, could you have seen yourself doing exactly what you're doing now? Would you have seen yourself doing that? And if the answer is no, then, you know, be, we need to add more gratitude. So that's it, gang. Be grateful, mind, body, spirit. Next question. What daily routines do you have to maintain physically, mentally, and emotional fitness? It's a good question. Uh, there's many things that go into the daily routine. And before, and while I share this, I wanted to share that the daily routine is custom to my lifestyle. And if you're listening to this, modify it to your lifestyle and your goals. One thing that is a pillar for me is waking up before the sun rises every single day, including weekends. And the, the way I think about it is when we go on trips and we give ourselves a jet lag, if you're gone and traveling somewhere that has a two, three, four hour time zone difference, we have a slight jet lag. It's not major, like if you go across a different country, but two, three, four hours can make a difference in your wake up and sleep time and your energy levels. And usually it takes a day for some, some people it takes a couple of days and maybe even a whole week to adjust. And not speaking for everybody, just for myself and some of the people I've worked with, if we stay up late on the weekends and we sleep in late on the weekends, our bodies can feel off 
And typically for me, I have less energy on Monday and Tuesday until I start feeling quote unquote normal until Tuesday and Wednesday. And I didn't like that. I, I didn't like feeling like a jet lag. I was giving myself jet lag every week. So I wake up at uh, 4.35 o'clock on the weekdays. And on the weekend, I would sleep until 7, 7.30, um, sometimes a little bit later. And that's, that's a big difference. That's two, three hours. And you know, I thought to myself, why do I keep doing this to myself? Because Monday, I pay the price. I, my workouts wouldn't be as good. My, my thought process wasn't as sharp. So that's just one of many things. The other thing is working out. Every single day, I do something, seven days a week, but not intense though. So some days I'll do intense resistance training with cardiovascular and conditioning. Some days I'll do more of an active recovery. I might go for a power walk, uh, a light swim, paddleboard or something like that. Other days um, might be simply stretching and doing tissue work but every single day doing something to move the blood because stretching will move your blood, walking will move your blood and find that right balance for you. The other thing I do is every single morning I like to meditate as well. And I do my spiritual practice. Um, I am a Buddhist and I practice every single morning for five to 10 minutes, practice my gratitude. That's a big one too, because it sets your heart, and it sets your mind off on a strong and positive note, which is definitely important, especially if you're gonna be putting in long hours, if you're gonna be going through a tough day, super important to end and start your day on a strong and fortified version of yourself. So that's just some of the main routines that I do for myself every single day. And I also like to read or consume content every single day, whether it's through reading books, audiobooks, podcasts, or masterminds as well. I try to get in 30 to 60 minutes every single day, even on the weekends. And the only exception might be if something major happens, I might miss a day or two here and there, but that's the exception. So good questions. Another question from Jenna. What is the best part of coaching clients? One of the best parts of coaching clients is definitely seeing people improve, seeing people evolve, and just being thankful that we get to be on that journey together. But at the same time, it's also the hardest part, right? Because everybody is different. We're all different mentally, emotionally. We all have different experiences. Everyone has different characteristics, different ways we want to be communicated to, different things that click and maybe trigger us. So while the best part of coaching clients is seeing the journey and the challenges that we overcome. And I like the challenge. I like struggle and challenge together. Because without that, it's hard to enjoy. It's hard to enjoy the rainbow without the rain. Oftentimes, we also salt our foods to make fruits and sweet things taste sweeter. 
So with that being said, yeah, the best part of coaching is seeing the journey, seeing the smiles, seeing people overcome and breaking their own limitation and self-limiting beliefs. That is huge, huge. Oh, this is from one of my mentors, Todd Durkin. What's your biggest hope and desire with this podcast? Who do you want to reach and what is the purpose of this podcast? Dang, it's a good one. Wow. Well, without going really, really deep, well, maybe I'll go deep. One of the big goals and desire of this podcast is to be a bridge in Hawaii because we are in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and to be a bridge between the continental U.S. on the West and the East of Japan. And by giving back to our communities and giving the opportunity to learn from others' experiences and wisdom on topics on fitness, mind, body, spirit, culture, and martial arts, and also an opportunity for our community to really connect with you and other people, other future guests on the show. That's a big one. And going on to that, what are some things that I enjoy in my downtime? Some things that I really enjoy on my downtime, things that you might not know about me, is I love anime. So if you're listening to this and you love anime, I'm a Dragon Ball fan. I'm a huge Naruto nut. I also love, uh, there's a couple other animes I really enjoy. Haikyuu, My Hero, Ace of Diamonds. And of course, all the old school like Gundam and stuff like that as well too. Great animes. So if you wanna talk about anime, hit me some questions up. Another thing I like to do on my downtime is going to the river and just doing nature walks or just dipping in the ocean. I just love nature. And I think everybody loves nature at some level, whether you personally enjoy hiking, maybe you're an ocean person, maybe you're more of a river person, whatever it is, I feel like we're all fundamentally primal in nature. We all crave the outdoors, the sun, the water, the air, the trees. Some of the other things that I enjoy doing in my downtime is I like to eat. <laughs> I like to eat good foods, homemade foods. Oh my goodness. Doesn't matter what background you're from. I will eat anything and everything, especially if you cook it for, especially if you made it from home <laughs> or from scratch, I will eat it. Love food. The other thing that you might not know is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is what I started when I was 16 years old and is one of the main components that helped me get through and overcome bullies and martial arts in general. When I was 16, there was a point where I was bullied all the time. And this is also in the book. I was bullied. I was an easy target. I was a lone wolf walking with my head down, hunched over, right? Not talking to anybody, trying to not be seen and not heard and just kind of going through the day. And of course that makes you an easy target from groups of people. And I specifically remember, you know, being shoved down staircases, uh, people locking me into the bathroom and I don't even know what the heck they were throwing in there. You know, they would lock me in and throw things in there call me all sorts of names and berate me and call me out on social media. At the time, it was only MySpace and Facebook was just starting. And just the physical and social outcasting 
right? And there came one day when a friend asked me if I wanted to start MMA. And I was like, what is MMA? And he said, oh, UFC. I said, oh, UFC? <laughs> so I started watching. And one of the things I realized was I was watching uh, Matt Hughes, old classic welterweight legend. I remember him, it was a power bomb. He, he f- was fighting, I think his name was uh, Carlos Newton. And Carlos Newton had him in a chokehold and Matt Hughes literally just powerbombed him on his head and KO'd him. And I was instantly hooked. And ever since then, I started watching George St. Pierre, the rise of him, Anderson Silva, all those greats. And I got really interested in MMA. And at the time, my first instructor was Kendall Grove, who is also a UFC veteran. And I remember being scared to death. I mean, Kendall is really tall. He's a tall, big guy. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, what am I getting myself into? And my friend Austin just brought me to class one day and, you know, I got introduced to the grappling, put some gloves on, do some striking and some Muay Thai and rest is history from there. And Kendall taught me something really valuable too when I was 16, that when it comes to bullies, the best thing to do is just take the high ground if you can and just ignore them. But if it comes to it and you have to defend yourself and you have to make a statement, then you must do so confidently with minimal damage, right? And that's where Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu came in because with boxing or Muay Thai, you, you literally have to strike them in the face or you knee them or you punch them or you elbow them. And the consequences are much more severe than if you just physically subdue them with grappling and you're putting them in a submission hold where they can't move or you're submitting them. The aftermath pain is much less. I remember just sitting down after class talking to Kendall about that. And I just thought to myself, wow, okay, well, so it's okay to stand up to bullies if it comes to that. But number one is to avoid, right? That's the main thing. If you can get away, get away. And, you know, not going into too much into this journey because I want to stay on track is jujitsu, my next instructor. So I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think the gym shut down. Um, or, or something had happened. And I started training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with a family friend. Uh, his name is Keith Inouye. And very similar. He was a, he's a very tough guy, uh, tough love, hard work kind of guy. And there's so many things I just respected about him from the way he carried himself, from the way that people respected him. And I was always confused and I was always curious what makes that possible? And so we started training jiu-jitsu there. And that was a great environment because especially for a 16, 17 year old, and I also had a bunch of insecurities I remember talking to them about because I, I felt like I never had a group of adults or people that I could trust. And I remember opening up about being bullied. I remember opening up about being insecure that I had no relatives besides uh, my parents also insecurities about my parents not being able to speak English well. Also insecurities of not fully understanding the culture, the insecurities and believing what some bullies had said that I don't belong here because I don't understand the local culture and all their different things that they said. This was the first time as a 16 or 17 year old boy that I felt I could openly share and that these people wouldn't criticize me 
but I felt that they would really listen and they did. They all helped me out so much. And, you know, my heart goes and I'm so grateful for all those experiences. And, you know, if you're listening to this, shout out uh, Ben, Dan, Daniel, Al, Jeff, a whole bunch of you guys. Really, really, really thank you. And, you know, because of that, I mean, the whole process started because of that. I overcame the bullies. And the first thing I remember noticing was that I think bullies were off put because of my posture, maybe. I stopped walking with a hunch in my back and my chin looking down. And this is all subconscious. I wasn't purposely trying to be, you know, easy victim. It it was just a natural thing from the self-confidence you gain from having the tools to defend yourself, but having the confidence that you probably don't need to use it. And so I remember walking through the hall as a 16, this is junior year, 16 year old boy. And you know, I, I didn't get the snark remarks anymore. I think people might've been confused, like what, what happened to this person in such a short amount of time, three, six months. And so one day, you know, the verbal remarks, I just started ignoring them. People started calling me names. I, you know, just ignored them again. And it was crazy because the emotional response wasn't as much. And so one day as a senior, I signed up for wrestling and I remember being in the wrestling room. This is before everybody, all the coaches and all the adults are there. Coach Ivy, uh, rest in love, Coach Panuve. Before they got there, one of the guys called me out, you know, saying like, you know, just, just a typical high school thing. Like, you know, you can't be part of the team. You know, who do you think you are? You're, you're a senior coming into the team, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, all, all of those things. And so right away, he called me out in front of everybody and everybody was just kind of like watching it. Cause they all knew that I was that guy that got picked on and bullied. And so before you know it, he just charged at my legs or scrambling. And before you know it, we ended up in a, I think it was a triangle choke was the first one. And he couldn't move. He couldn't breathe. He tapped out and we got back to our feet, right? The disbelief in his face of like, what just happened? You know, and everybody was watching, so he can't deny what happened. And then he said, you know what, that was just a fluke. And so he charged me again. He took me down. We started scrambling. And before you know it, we ended, I took his back and we put him in a rear naked choke. And at that moment, after we released the choke, he just sat up, looked in disbelief, looked at me, looked at everybody around that was watching. And I think it was a really humbling moment. But at the same time, I remember feeling at 17 years old, like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Like it it works. And and from that point on, I I just remember thinking like, wow, jujitsu really does help with bullying. And not only like the physical part, but with the confidence and with the mindset and also the emotional resilience, because the one thing about jujitsu is that they always put you in situations where you're uncomfortable, right? When someone has you on a cross side or a mountain position or someone takes your back, you're not freaking out as much. And same with real life. In jiu-jitsu, you're used to people grabbing you and bear hugging you and trying to hold you down, full strength, not holding back. And in real life, if someone grabs you, you know, grabs a hold of you, you know, the thought process isn't to freak out because of the repetition. 
I never understood that as uh, you know, the first six months of training until that incident happened. And so with that being said, you know, that led to everything else that led to wrestling that led to judo that led to weightlifting because of wrestling. Uh, Coach Manuve would tell me, Yanagito, you're weak. <laughs> and I was. The thing I liked about jiu-jitsu, though, is that you don't need strength. Because at that time, when I was 17 years old, I couldn't do a single pull-up without squirming. And I had a hard time doing 10 push-ups. And you might be wondering, how, how does that work? And the, one of the premise of jiu-jitsu is that the smaller person can beat the bigger person through leverage. And so, but with wrestling, right, everybody is explosive. Everybody is strong in wrestling, especially if you're competing in certain weight classes, right? Because everybody's cutting weight, they're good at that. And so that was the first time I started an actual weight training program. I really focused on the main things, the squat, the deadlift, the pull-ups, push-ups, benching, shoulder presses, all the main stuff. And that was the start of the journey. Without getting too long into that story, fast forward that, fell into some more dark times. Some more dark times. Went, went off to college, right? That feeling of, oh, yeah, you know, I can, because I didn't understand. I never had a tribe in, middle, uh, in high school that I just started accepting anybody in my circle, even if it wasn't positive influences. And so by the time I was 19, I was doing all the negative habits. I was already drinking. I was uh, smoking weed. I was sleeping in every day. I would skip class, not do homework. All the things that were a recipe for failure. Stay out really late, right? Be at the wrong places at the wrong time almost be arrested on a couple occasions and got into, got into a street fight with one of my best friends at the time. And so with that being said, guys, you know, I'm just a human being. I make mistakes and I, I want, I, that's what I want to go and end this with is that we all make mistakes and going back to the book, right? Seeing these, challenges and hardships is opportunities to grow because without hardship we wouldn't develop empathy without pain we wouldn't develop compassion and so with that i end with do something today to learn put the ego down ask questions listen to a podcast like you're listening now spread the word and remember guys please email us at yanagitapodcast at gmail.com and we're going to give you a free downloadable version of fighting sickness with fitness and with that being said gang thank you guys for tuning in and keep on fighting gang much love